Warning. 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 Welcome to the Police Officers Association of Michigan podcast. Recorded live from our studio in Redford, Michigan, POAM is a full-service labor organization that provides all labor-related services to its members. From negotiations, grievance processing, legal and legislative representations, to Act 312 arbitrations. Hello and welcome to the Police Officers Association of Michigan podcast, where we talk about the most pressing issues and topics our union members are facing today. I'm your host, Jim Tiganelli, president of the POM. For those of you who are familiar with us, thank you for your continued support. We wouldn't be able to do what we do every day if it wasn't for you, our members. We're dedicated to providing the best representation for our members through the quality of our business agents and the service they provide to their local units. Calls are returned promptly. We demand that. Many questions are answered on the spot but the most difficult inquiries are responded to immediately after the issue is investigated. We are the POM and we're always working for you, whether it be in Lansing, Washington, or in your local. Before we jump into today's podcast, please don't forget to log into iTunes and leave us a a good star rating and a review. And follow us on Twitter at at MyPOM, M-I-P-O-A-M. And like us on Facebook at Police Officers Association of Michigan, where our handle is also at M-I-P-O-A-M. Before we dive into today's topic, I'd like to tell you that as our introductory show that we expect to have a number of guests involved in our different broadcasts and depending on the different types of scheme that we're dealing with. And I want Jills of you that are listening and friends of yours, if necessary, or people that you're aware of that may, maybe we aren't aware of, to uh, contact me at uh, jat at poam.net or at, uh, at our Twitter address and to go hashtag AskTig, because what we're going to try to do is involve some of you that are listening in future broadcasts. We need expert advice, and there's no one closer to the pulse than the people that are actually doing the job. So please don't hesitate to ask, and, uh, and if you have questions and topics we should be dealing with, bring those on too. Now, uh, we'll move on to the broadcast. Okay, today we're going to be talking about texting. Uh, specifically, at least the introductory part of it, will be what's apparently commonly referred to as sexting. Uh, sounds a little out of, uh, out of the realm for me, but I'm going to do my best to learn as we go along, too. I am aware of texting, however. Uh, even a person my age has learned how to do that, then aren't you glad? But uh, as we do the texting, what we are finding out is that has become a primary method of communication for many of our members. Uh, the old uh, phone call, the old uh, note, the piece of mail, or meeting in the parking lot seems to be a thing of the past. So because of that... Uh, most of those personal communications that you're sharing have a record. And I think it's gotten to where it's so common for you to text that you've concluded that is private. And frankly, we are finding out every day that it is far from private. So today we are going to uh, have I have two guests here with us. Uh, one of Dave LaMontagne, who's a retired Macomb County deputy, president of the Deputy Sheriff's Association of Michigan, and on the POAM board as an executive board member, and also serves as a business agent for many groups that are uh, represented by POAM. He's going to bring us his input on it from an active officer, a recently retired officer, 
and as a business agent who's dealing with many members who are involved in that. And also, uh, to give us the legal end of it, we have got uh, Gordana Misavsky. Gordana is Assistant General Counsel for POAM, one of four attorneys on staff. And uh, she's going to be helping us uh, to delve into the definition of sexting and to try to answer some of the questions that uh, actually are coming in now that uh, involve personal experiences and questions that you have. And uh, we'll talk about some examples that we've had in representation areas. And uh, hopefully you'll all find this helpful, and hopefully we'll have a lesson for you by the end of the show. So, Gordana, welcome. Glad to have you here. And... Uh, Appreciate uh, the time you're taking to be with us. And I think uh, now that you've caused me to say the word sexting, maybe it would be fair if I was to ask you to try to give us some definition of what that term means. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Um, the commonly accepted definition of sexting is the sharing of nude or sexually explicit messages or photos, usually by cell phone or other electronic device or means. Um, and we are sort of making this an important topic because uh, this is significant to police officers, mostly because of the cell phones that they use. Um, some are provided to them by their employer, and some are also um, paid for, at least in part, by their employer. And so those uh, become, in some capacity, available to the employer if requested. So... So that we all understand that it's all pretty clear, but we do have situations where people might carry their own phone and perhaps a department phone on duty. And I have had some situations where the person does talk on their own phone, but if they're talking police business or perhaps sending a text or a picture of something that has occurred on duty, even with their own phone, would it? Would you feel there would be some legal obligation to turn that phone over if, if an inquiry was made? even though it's his phone or hers? You know, depending on the, on the topic at issue, whether it is a matter of public interest, whether um, an officer carries his cell phone as a means to take photos at a crime scene or at any scene, or whether or not his communication with fellow employees or uh, citizens are at issue, and whether or not, you know, those messages or photos become part of an investigation and... If yes, then potentially their private cell phone could also be turned over to uh, their employer or some other agency. Would it be fair to say that if it wasn't automatic, that if it was a serious matter, they could get a warrant for something like that? If there's probable cause, absolutely. Okay. Sure, it would so be So there's some exceptions even to that rule. Absolutely. You know, Jim, you mentioned off the rip that um, it's commonplace for people to use this medium to communicate with one another. And I think what's maybe perhaps missed or glossed over by our members is that now it's routine to communicate to supervisors, um, whether, you know, I'll work that amount of overtime or I'm going to be sick tomorrow. Sure. And so then you have this interplay between the rank and file and a supervisor. And you might think that this communication is protected. It is not. Um, you know, we advocate and have negotiated in contracts uh, stipends for people to carry their personal cell phones under the belief that if you do that, it's not foyable, right? People recognize if you got a company phone, right, that's company business and nothing else. The lines become blurred and you run into trouble when you're using your own phone. Gordana, you talked about pictures. It's not uncommon um, that 
uh, officers are using their phones to take the pictures at the crime scenes and then subsequently upload them to the departmental server or whatever because this technology improves these cell phone cameras quality improves and it used to be jim you can probably attest to this that uh, you had to be able to produce these pictures or their polaroids uh, for court and now this is widely accepted practice wait do we need to document uh, that he referred to mine as a polaroid and everyone else's is some type of a well we can move on i don't even know what this might be a subject of a of a future podcast perhaps yeah. Now, I, I have to ask you, Gordana, if he takes these pictures voluntarily as opposed to being ordered to, takes them as a matter of convenience for his report as being ordered to do it, would that make a difference if it's on his own phone? It's still evidence in a case. And, you know, it's interesting because, for example, if those photos become the issue of a criminal case or an investigation, and the next sort of set of pictures that are taken from that phone are intimate pictures between that officer and their spouse or their coworker or their friends or right or both um you know now you've got yourself into a pickle so listen you bring up a great point you know i think and again it comes back to this notion that nowadays it's commonplace to communicate via text message and then you start adding in all these other components, and this is when coppers get into trouble. Because you, your expectation, right, you're you know, door-to-door with your buddy at 3 o'clock in the morning, that communication is going to be private, right? That's the expectation. But what you don't know is at some point these text messages are fine. Maybe it's funny. Maybe it's a joke. Um, but at but, some point But it maybe becomes, a joke to one and not to some other. That's right. At some this point it becomes not funny. Right. Or at some point, it becomes not welcome. And that's where we, as the union, are confronted with our members doing these things, uh, which is got to the point where we're having a podcast about it. So it is um, a big, big issue for us. And the more this becomes prevalent, the more it's going to become an issue. Well, what I've seen occur over the years is police officers are, uh, uh, and it, I think this is more common now than it was years ago. All the buildings are ca- have cameras. Everybody's got microphones. Everything is uh, is being surveilled. We have in-car cameras. We have backseat cameras. We have body cameras. Uh, we have body mics, or you know, that we carry along. And even in the old days, police officers didn't say much inside of the building. And the reason they didn't was they always assumed somebody was listening. Now it's more likely than ever that they are listening. So I think. The conclusion was that that private conversation we used to have out by the truck or in the locker room uh, now is what you do on a on a cell phone texting, and we do it. We don't talk on the phone as much as we text because people might hear us talking, and it's sort of a curse of our own petard. You know, you've got this situation where somebody has decided to do it privately by a text, so nobody hears or sees them. And the fact of the matter is the whole world has an opportunity to hear it and see it at some point. So I, I think it's become so natural. That's why I think this is an important topic for our, for all of us to, to delve into because it's so common uh, that we think it's private. And I think your point, too, excellent, was that while they're looking for A and they come across B, even they weren't looking for B. And I can give you an example of one where it happened in a in a with a pair of officers that I was familiar with, where one of them got in trouble 
they grabbed his phone. He gave it up voluntarily, and while looking through his phone, they saw a conversation that he had with another officer. That other officer had nothing to do with the the instant case and suddenly became a target of a second case. And had that been a phone conversation, none of that would have ever occurred. But so they had a private conversation on a text that became everyone's business. So the, the sexting idea where you started out with the definition which is interesting but basically i guess you're talking about taking nude photos of yourself or someone else and then transmitting them would that would that be the late term for that you know sexting has become problematic in in so far as police departments are concerned because one sort of the the nature of the relationship between police officers and i think you two can probably talk about that is different than the relationship between let's say bankers right Um, Police officers tend to have a more uh, personal relationship with one another. Um, Certainly when you're working together in a high-stress situation, you develop, um, you know, a relationship that is is sort of uncommon in, in other professions. And as a result of that, sometimes, you know, it, it um, becomes um, more intimate and, then we, you know, you bring into um, that situation communication between coworkers um, that can sometimes go from joking to flirty to explicit. And, you know, like we mentioned before, those could be very welcome. And then all of a sudden they could be unwelcome. And now those serve as evidence that you were doing something uh, you shouldn't have been doing, um, whether they could be, you know, harassing or, um, you know, they could potentially get you fired. You know, Gordana, you bring up a good point. And I, you know, in preparation for this broadcast, obviously I had some conversations about this. And you talked about uh, the fact that, you know, if you view these text messages in a vacuum without prior knowledge of the relationship, that's when people traditionally get into trouble, right? Where you're texting your buddy and maybe you're using, you know, colorful uh, language that's not normally acceptable, let's say in front of your grandparents, um, viewed out of context by a third party is then where the trouble begins. And that's always the case because it comes back to your point, Jim, these were public figures held to a higher standard. And the minute um, people look at these things from an external without having knowledge of that relationship, it's viewed differently. So there is a significant issue with that as it pertains to this notion of relationships between officers. You know, you talk about that third party, and I know we've all had examples of this where the transmission of the photo or the salacious, if you will, comment is to someone that you think is welcoming it or has even replied to it from time to time. But then that person gets caught, and I hate to say that these kind of things happen, but the the spouse or significant other of the person you're communicating with at some point by some, some means or another, finds that text. And what ends up happening is the person who had, we thought, received it uh, willingly says, well, you know, I didn't know what to do. He's a police officer, and I was afraid that he'd stop me or he'd write me a ticket or, you know how police are. They carry guns. I mean, we, we are held to this higher standard. I don't think we're nearly as uh, dangerous as some people might make us to be. But what happens is, uh, they have this excuse then that, well, I, you know, I didn't welcome any of this. I didn't know what to do. I was caught in a trap. I, you know, I, 
you know, I went to the restroom and I don't know how he even got my number. I think somebody else gave it to him. And all of a sudden this person that, the, the third party becomes actually who was person two. So now you're defending yourself against somebody that had actually, we thought, accepted it willingly. It's so also, there's all kinds of targets. It's also something that could be just so innocuous um, to you and your buddy uh, that it's, you know, humorous. So you, you know, you're driving behind a car and, you know, the, you, the license plate's David Tom Frank 1017 and you text David Tom Frank 1017 to your partner who could potentially be a female and then, you know, how is that going to be interpreted, right? And if you don't know what David Tom Frank means, well, you can look it up. That would be DTF. Correct. And, you know, it... It was the 1017 that, that threw me off. <laughs> probably but, my fault. You know, we should also take into consideration supervisors and uh, the people that work underneath them and the texting between those two. You know, if, if there's sort of this relationship between them that gets misunderstood, one... If the supervisor sends a text to um, the patrol officer and that patrol officer doesn't get the promotion that they want, um, that text message could, you know, serve as evidence that they didn't get the promotion because they didn't follow up with your, you know, maybe innocuous text, but it could be interpreted by somebody as personal. Personal. Sure. Yeah. And salacious and and intimate and, you know, uh, harassment. So... Just don't do it. Like, do not sext anybody. Is that your advice, Assistant Counsel? Don't create sex. And, and, you know, it's it's when you think back, uh, you know, anybody can Google the old Rodney King beating of 1992, the incident in L.A. County. We won't go into repeating what was said that day. It was it was probably bad to say then, and it's no better to say now. But on an old MDT, which was like a mobile dispatch terminal in a car. That was the original texting for us. This is long before cell phones and, and that type of communication, but we could still send messages. And these guys were sending messages, and they said something that was racially uh, insensitive. And uh, that became the primary focus behind that entire case. I mean, we all had the video of Rodney King. But what went on to become the federal charges were these, these transmissions that were between two guys that no one else was ever going to see. So even beyond the sexting, uh, the sexting thing has created incidents for all of us. I'm not going to get it. All of us. This might be a question for Dr. <laughs> Wolf. What's why, that about? <laughs> why people are, why people are taking pictures of themselves naked and sending them out? Uh, and I, I assume that it happens, uh, but you know, you know, maybe personal contact would have been better. I don't know. But they do these things through the text, and and when that happens, uh, if you think that that you're going to get away with that. Really? Right. Come on. Well, the problem is that when it's out there, it's out there. It's, you can never put the toothpaste back in the tube. It will always, always exist. You talk about... Um, in bef- before we um, you know, put together some information on this, I, I assumed that sexting was just salacious Talking photographs. Dirty. No, I, I didn't even consider the fact that you're texting or a joke or something like that falls into this category. And then, you know, if you're going to throw on top of it um, other social media platforms, right, then the problem expounds beyond just, you know, taking pictures of yourselves and mailing it or emailing it or, you know, innocuous comments or, you know, off-color jokes. Um, so it, it just compounds and compounds and compounds. And to Gordana's point, don't do it, right? If you think about, you know, making a case on a suspect, you know, what do you need? What's most important? Evidence. 
and you are providing the evidence. And you don't need, like we talked about, you mentioned Rodney King. If you, you know, you don't have to be uh, have gray hair on your temples to know what Mark Furman did, right? Mark Furman, you Google Mark Furman. What's the first thing that comes up, right? Not his career, not what he. It's what he said, right? And he needed a number of people. Gordana, you pointed this out that uh, six people testified against him that they'd heard him say a certain thing, right? Right. Well, guess what? Now you send a text message. You don't need anybody to testify against you. You're providing the evidence yourself, and it just takes one time, right. perhaps viewed by a third party in a vacuum, right, which is why you just can't do it. Don't do it. Do not do it. Right. Well, it, it, and it, it goes so far beyond the sexting. I mean, the sexting to me seems like it should be obvious, but it's happening an awful lot, so well, apparently you know, it's not. You would think it would be obvious, but... If you are sort of so close to your coworkers and you develop relationships with them or friendships or whatever it is, and you think it's funny to send, um, you know, sort of off-color jokes that have sexual innuendo behind them, and that person is somebody of the opposite sex, you are essentially sexting. Uh, you know, the relationships between police officers, and and we've had some of this, uh, we've had to deal with. Uh, Officers who are supervisors who are men and the, and the patrol women who work underneath them, um, those sort of lines get a little bit blurred on occasion. And sometimes somebody can sort of misunderstand what that relationship really is. It's not mentor and mentee. It could, in fact, become um, something that somebody thinks is something different. And then now you've opened yourself up to you know, maybe I should send this text message. And if it's well-received, maybe I'll send another one. And then it sort of, you know, all snowballs into, uh-oh, what what just happened here? Pretty hard to hit the delete button on those. Yeah, there they, is no such thing. Yeah. Generation, generationally, you know, we're talking about the people, um, the person that replaced me on the job was 23. And um, I think probably a significant portion of our members are between a 23 and 30-year uh, age bracket where this kind of conduct between one another is viewed differently than perhaps I view it or you view it, Jim. And that, that leads to uh, the fact that they don't have the filter that you had uh, recognizing you can't say this in the building or that I had, you know, you're on camera in the car, you can't say this, you can't act. And th they don't have that filter, which then compounds, again, the problem with the supervisory subordinate relationship. Uh, we're dealing with people in their mid-20s that may not necessarily have ever worked you know, at quote unquote a real job or in a union shop or uh, at a previous police department. So that lends itself to misinterpretation, which comes back to don't do it. Yeah, and it's it really goes way beyond this, the sexting part of it because, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. maybe before that, you know, I guess we are held to that standard and are expected to be quote unquote politically correct. Um, we try to be, but really to not be politically correct is pretty easy nowadays because that target keeps moving. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you can just watch evening news and see where that's at. So we have these situations where, you know, we know we can't say what Mark Furman said. We've all figured that one out. But now we've run into these problems uh, where it's, you can talk about anything. You could mention somebody uh, is, you know, it could be a religious connotation. It doesn't even have to be racial. It can be religious. It can be, you know, you're right. Uh, somebody, the, how, are they fat? Are they skinny? Are they tall? Are they short? Uh, uh, ethnic background. I mean, really, it's gotten to the point where uh, you are best to say nothing if you can, if you can possibly do that. But uh, and if you're going to say it, don't text it. 
Don't. What are you trying to say exactly? Well, listen, I've been the butt of your short jokes, and so I feel like I need to get this on record. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, she is very short. I mean, I'm not very short. I mean, listen, like, we're not trying to be the fun police, right? I mean, we're not saying that you should um, censor your relationships with your coworkers or other people. All we're saying is don't leave an evidence trail. Don't let lawyers find uh, evidence of what you're saying, what people are complaining about as it relates to you. Because once it's found, listen, if you send a, a sort of racially insensitive text message and now you're you know, an attorney gets a hold of that, guess who you are now for the rest of your life? You're a racist. You're never going to erase that. It, it's out there. You did it. There's no way to disprove that you did it. And now you have to live with that for the rest of your career. A career which you might have ended, by the way, by one stupid text. And so don't do it. You know, as a, as a, a veteran uh, married person, I'm, this is probably going to end up putting me on the couch tonight, but the message, uh, how it's received, is oftentimes more important than what the message is. So when somebody else looks at this and says, well, what does that mean? All right? And it's like, and I can have a conversation with my wife, and it's like, I don't even have to be there because it's not important what I said. It's important what she heard. So, sorry, sorry, yeah, honey, no, if you're listening. absolutely right. Yeah. Well, She's and a lot of things right. impact that, uh, you know, fatigue, alcohol. You know, that's, that's an issue too. Alcohol, I just know when you hit that send button, it's pretty hard to go right. like, oh, shucks. Yeah. And, and, you know, you get impaired judgment and you say things you normally wouldn't say. Um, and, you know, if there's this sort of innuendo going around between people and then you start texting one another, listen, you never know where that can go. And oftentimes it ends up in the legal department. So don't do it. The fun police say, don't do it. Dave, uh, did, you, did you get that? Question from Gary from Plymouth. Gary from Plymouth. See if throw that one at Gordon and see what happens. What was the question? <laughs> no, Gary was the one that was asking about uh, the uh, use of his personal cell phone, right? And whether or not it was going to uh, be taken from him. And I, I don't know. If, I don't know if there was more to that story, but uh, if don't you don't ask. remember the question, maybe this was one of those we shouldn't hit the send button on. We'll just not send it. Well, you know. We all know what happened to Kwame Kilpatrick, don't we? <laughs> the the sending of salacious texts to a coworker slash friend slash um, intimate relationship. That's enough. Right. Uh, literally took down an entire government. I mean, it took down... That's a real the, life story there, pal. It really is. And if that doesn't um, teach anybody anything... Uh, then we've got some problems here. Maybe they ought to repeat that one from time to time. Maybe we should be showing that in the academy. Right. You know, I just uh, I just hung up with Gary from Plymouth, and his <laughs> question uh, is although a little bit off point, uh, cannot be ignored because Gary wants to know. Gary may be listening, so Gary from Plymouth, uh, thank you for your question. It's on point, on topic. So Gary wants to know if he shares a Facebook post. You know, could he potentially be exposing himself to some kind of problem? You know, actually, uh, tell Gary to hang in there because our next podcast, we're going to go into a lot more detail on the social media side of it, uh, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. And well, I think Gordy will be part of that too, right? being the, uh, the expert that she is. So uh, anything else for us today? Don't send... Sex. Oh, so this is this where this is where we give our legal advice moment. Right. Let's break to Gordana for some legal advice. 
don't send <laughs> sex. Okay, sounds good. Don't to me. send pictures of yourself. Don't send text messages that could be interpreted in any way, shape, or form to be um, explicit or naughty or unprofessional. Just do not do it. When in doubt, leave it out. If you wouldn't text it to your grandma, don't text it to your coworker. Yeah, that's that's a Doug Gucci special. If you don't want Absolutely. to, if you don't want your grandma to see it, don't hit send. Absolutely. Well, that's cool. This has been a good start off. Uh, I'd like to uh, say thanks to both of you, and I'm sure we'll have you back. Uh, it's been fun today and uh, and informative. Uh, we hope that everybody paying attention out there has learned something. Uh, if you didn't hear it 19 times already, don't do it. Uh, what we share with you has jolted you a little, and that's good. Uh, that's our aim. Uh, you know, listen, we, we want you to stay out of trouble. There's enough hazards on this job without creating them on our own. Uh, so please keep an eye on our POM.net and our Facebook page. As I said, that's at MIPOM, and, and follow us on Twitter at MIPOM. Uh, contact me at uh, jat at poam.net, and we're looking forward to our next one, which is going to be more in depth on social media. We hope you'll uh, we hope you'll tune in for that one. Thanks very much, and have a good afternoon.